this is inside. Last week, I started this uh, thought about Jesus, a name above all names. And I just kept thinking about that. And, and you know, as I, as I sat there uh, working on this and just kind of getting the Lord's direction on this, I want to tonight uh, again remind you of the song that I mentioned last week. And I love the song. There's a name above all others, wonderful to hear, bringing hope and cheer. That's been our theme for this year, is bringing hope. It says, it's the lovely name of Jesus, evermore the same. What a lovely name. Uh, the name of Jesus, reaching higher far than the brightest star, sweeter than the songs they sing in heaven. <laughs> I mean, heaven's going to be sweet, but I'll tell you, you know what's going to make heaven sweet? Jesus. When we see our Savior face to face, says, let the world proclaim, what a lovely name. And there's a lot of names out there. I love the name of my wife. I mean, I couldn't have picked a wife with a better name and have, have a wife named Joy, but then have, you know, my children. I love to, to hear their names, say their names. I love my grandchildren. I'm trying to get used to my new grandson's name, Duke. That's what they named my grandson. <laughs> And the only reason is because my son is a Duke, can you believe this, Blue Devils fan. He's a saved Christian and he's a, he's a Blue Devils fan. So anyway, but I love the name of Jesus. And as we look at a few verses tonight, I want to remind you in this Christmas time of the year about what the Bible says about Jesus. Now, a couple of verses out of Luke 1 and verse 26, the Bible says, and in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when you look at these verses, and really we're going to take the time tonight from these verses to think about the name of Jesus. And here's what I want you to think about as we go through the lesson tonight is this, is that in these verses we see that Jesus' name declares his poverty. Now a lot of times we don't want to think about something like this, but the Bible has much to say when it comes to who Jesus is, when he came, the way he came, and I want you to see that as the angel came to this young maiden named Mary, and he began to tell her about this tremendous news that they had been waiting to hear for a long, long time. At that particular time, the Bible identifies that Mary was engaged. She was a spouse to a man named Joseph. And the Bible tells us, and this is key that goes along with the lesson tonight, does anybody remember what Joseph's trade was? He was a carpenter, right? Remember, they asked in, in Jesus' uh, earthly ministry, they said, is not this the carpenter's son? That's the way they identified because many people didn't, they, they didn't understand how somebody could be uh, born of a virgin, uh, that, that she was o overshadowed by the highest. And many of them just took for granted that because she was a spouse to Joseph, that Joseph was his father. Now, certainly in an earthly sense, he filled that role but he was not Jesus' father. Otherwise, Jesus could not have redeemed us from our sins. And so we find here that uh, Mary and Joseph are leading a life, and God chooses to bring this child 
this Savior, Jesus, into their lives. Now, certainly, if Joseph was a carpenter, then if you study it out, Jesus was born into a very meager family. In other words, they didn't have a lot of money. They didn't have a lot of things. And if you've lived the Christian life long enough, you probably have come to the conclusion that things don't bring happiness, you know, that, that understand, and, and the older I get, it's, it just seems like the less and less I have, the happier I am, you know. There's less things to, to watch over, take care of, and, and, and handle, and, and, you know, when you think about Jesus coming, God could have sent His Son any way He wanted to, but He chose to send His Son into a family that was of meager means. Now, when you think about that name Jesus, again, it tells us about who he is, but also what he came to this earth to do. Now, here's a verse that I want to use tonight as you think about the name of Jesus and how it declares his poverty. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 9. Look at this verse. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was what? rich. Now look at this. Yet for your sakes, he became what? Poor. Now here's the best part of that verse. That ye through his what? Poverty might be made rich. Now let that settle in for a minute. Because Jesus is God in the flesh. He owns everything. He created everything. He is rich and of course, we are poor. And you think about this verse, I want you to notice, first of all, his poverty at his birth, his poverty at birth. When you examine the birth of Christ, what you find, and we just saw that even depicted this last week, kind of through a silly presentation, but I think it got the message out, Jesus was born in a manger. I mean, when he was born, his mother laid him in, if I could use the word, a trough a place where they actually fed the animals, those barnyard animals. The Bible says in Luke 2, 7, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger. Now, think about this. The reason she had to do that is because there was no room for them in the inn. And as a result, that's where they ended up. They were forced to do this because of that. Somebody said, describing the scene, the ancient inn was a seedy place where poor travelers would seek lodging for the night. But it, they went on to say, those who had wealth would seek to rent shelter in private homes or in more suitable places. So you think about this, those that had means, they would, they would find somebody that, a house, that had a house they maybe would rent them a room that had a space maybe they could go to. They, they enjoyed a little bit more luxuries when they traveled, but the poor people, the poor travelers, would go to the lodge. Well, Mary and Joseph did not even get to spend the night in that lodge. They were forced to go where the poor went, and as they arrived there, it was actually filled to its capacity. Again, there was no room for them, and they were forced to spend the night with the angels. Now, who would have thought? That that's the way that God chose to send His Son into the world. You see, God's ways are not our ways. The Bible even says in the book of Isaiah, they're higher than our ways. I, I don't want to question 
what God did, but again, it caught many people by surprise because certainly, why would God do this to his own dear son, the son of God? And so Mary, Mary comes to the end, she labors and she delivers this Christ child. And of course, she was told to name him Jesus, and his name again is associated with his poverty. Now that name reminds us of the sacrifices that Jesus made for his people. Certainly when Jesus was on this earth, he made many sacrifices. And we understand that this is the kind of God that we know because the Bible again says, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. You know, it reminds us tonight, and I want you to think about this, it reminds us that while he was the creator of all things, that he lived here among us, but he possessed nothing that was given to he possessed nothing that wasn't given to him by others. In other words, Jesus really didn't have anything. I, I, I see so many people with so many things, and then I realize how Jesus had very, very little. Look at this verse here in Luke 8, verse number 3. It shows us how that Jesus and his parents even lived off of some of those gifts and people that cared about him. The Bible says here, Joanna, the wife of Chusas, Herod's steward, and Susanna, and many others, notice now, which ministered unto him of their substance. Now, you study it out, and here's what you find is that Jesus really did not have a lot. And, and he instructed. You remember when he was teaching his disciples to go out, he was going to send them out in pairs to go into all the cities before he got there? Remember how he told them just the, just the bare basic things that they would need when they go? He told them, he says, listen, you don't need this. Just take this, this, and this. And that, that was his instruction. Really, it came from the life that he lived, and we could see his poverty at his birth. But look at this. Secondly, how about his poverty growing up? Because as Jesus began to grow and certainly went through all the stages of any other child, but when he was a child, God commanded Joseph to take Mary and Joseph, remember the story, to take them into what country? Into Egypt, right? That was the instruction that he was to take. Now, here's the thing is, is that in order to go there, here's what God did, and I think this is unique. God financed that trip for his son to provide for his son and Mary and Joseph with what? Well, remember in the story we just said how that God provided those magi, those wise men that would come and they would bring through their journeys those gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. See, here's a poor family that couldn't even afford to travel. Has, have you ever had that happen? You're like, Lord, I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how we're going to be able to pay this bill. I don't know how we're going to be able to do this. And then God miraculously will provide. Well, he did that for his son. God provided these gifts that were brought, the gold and the frankincense and the myrrh. They helped with that, with that trip. Look what it says in Matthew 2.11. When they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him his, these gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And so when, when you see, even in his, in his upbringing, you know, is there wasn't a lot there. How about this? Here's a good story here in, in Matthew 17. 
Remember when, uh, of course, everyone was, even the Christmas story, they all went into their own city to be what? Taxed. Anybody like paying taxes? You know? Now, how about, how about Jesus' method here? Because when he had to pay taxes, uh, look what the Bible says in Matthew 17, 27, notwithstanding, lest we should offend them, go thou to the sea, cast and hook, take up the fish, singular, that first cometh up, and when thou open his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money, take that, uh, that take, and give unto them for me and thee. Now, it'd be nice to pay taxes that way, wouldn't it be? <laughs> you know, now again, you think, wow, boy, I mean, what is, what is, the, what is the luck of catching a fish? Folks, I'm going to tell you something. If God did it for Jesus, he could do it for us. He is our heavenly father, too. And we see how that Jesus, even in his poverty, when it came time to pay his taxes, that God provided for his son. How about this? When he died in his life that uh, was a short life here on this earth, the only possession that Jesus had was what many believe was an expensive garment. The Bible talks about how uh, that, that there was no seam in it. And this is for what the, the soldiers gambled at the foot of the cross. And look what the Bible says in John 19 and verse 23. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments, made four parts to every soldier apart, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said, uh, they said therefore among themselves, let us not rend it, but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which saith, they parted my garment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These therefore uh, things the, the, the soldiers did. So, you know, many believe that this garment was something that was uh, somewhat of a value, but a lot of people believe that it was a gift, maybe from someone who became a follower of Christ, maybe somebody that had some means. In other words, everything Jesus had was something that was given to him while he was on this earth. Kind of gives you a different perspective because, again, you, you would think that you know, Jesus would have just had it all, but yet, again, he who was rich became poor that we might become rich. So in his birth, we clearly see that there wasn't much as far as wealth means. We see even in his upbringing, but how about number three there? We see even his poverty in the ministry that Jesus had while he was on this earth. Now, of course, certainly you study the Word of God and you find that there was a silent time in, in the Lord, Lord's life, but when Jesus was, was still very young, he began his earthly ministry and, and his ministry was very short-lived, but while he was here on this earth, every significant event of Jesus' life utilized something that was borrowed or that had been intended for someone else's use. And it's, it's kind of amazing how, again, God's providing even for His Son. Let me give you a couple of examples of His poverty during ministry on this earth. How about this? Remember when Jesus came to the seaside and He wanted to speak to the people? And He didn't have a church, He didn't have a, a platform, He didn't have a pulpit, but He looked and He saw a boat. And the Bible says here in Luke 5, 3, he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and he prayed him that he would thrust out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. He borrowed a boat from which he preached to the people. Uh, you know, again, he borrowed something 
because he did not have it. Uh, the Bible says there uh, it, that, that he didn't even have a place to lay his head. And so notice it, 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 here, secondly, is in Matthew 21, Jesus even borrowed a house from time to time where he would spend some time. This was a favorite place of his. The Bible says in, in verse 17, he left them and went out of the city into Bethany and he lodged there. This was the home of Mary and Martha and Lazarus. It was a favorite place where Jesus could go. It was close to the city of Jerusalem, but it was not his. Uh, he would go there and spend some time. Again, he borrowed a boat. He borrowed a, a house that he lived in uh, periodically. How about this one? He borrowed a donkey that he rode into town on. I mean, didn't even have a beast of burden. Jesus walked everywhere. Look at the Bible says in Mark 11. Look at this words. When they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into, ye shall find a colt tied thereon, never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do ye this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. So here's Jesus making this triumphal entrance into the city of Jerusalem on, on the foal of an ass. Again, a borrowed, something that he borrowed in his poverty, in his ministry. How about this one? When Jesus was getting closer to the cross, and he wanted to have one last Passover with his disciples. And he wanted to have a place where they could sit down and eat what we oftentimes call the Last Supper. He borrowed a room for that. The Bible says in Mark 14, And he sendeth forth two of his disciples and saith unto them, Go ye into the city, and there shall uh, meet you a man bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him. And wheresoever he shall go in, say ye to the good men of the house, The master saith, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished and prepared. There make ready for us. And his disciples went forth and came into the city and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And in the evening he cometh with the twelve. Jesus borrowed a boat. He borrowed a room. I mean, he borrowed a donkey that he rode in on. How about this one? You remember... When Jesus was crucified, he borrowed a tomb. He didn't need it very long, did he? But the Bible records when the evening was come, there was a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate, begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn out in the rock. And he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. You know, you think about, and that's just a sample of the things that Jesus borrowed. You know, a lot of times in our lives, again, we think, boy, I wish I had this. I wish I had this. You know, from the time Jesus was born until the time that he died and ascended to be with the Father, his life was a very meager life. Jesus didn't have things uh, it really just pretty much the clothes on his back. And, and he walked everywhere that he went. And see, Jesus, when you think about his poverty so that we could be rich, the Bible teaches us that Jesus gave up 
His claims to all things so that we might be given all things. Look what it says in Philippians chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 6. Who being in the form of God, this is talking about Jesus, thought it not uh, robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now, if you, this passage here has been one that many have discussed over the years because the Bible says he made himself of no reputation. He was God 100%, and he was man 100%. A lot of people say, well, he was 50-50. No, he was 100% God. He was 100% man. He became man without ceasing to be God. And understand, as he was here on this earth, here's if I could put it this way, this is the way I would say it, that Jesus cooperated with the limitations of humanity, and he voluntarily did not exercise his attributes as God. It's an amazing thing how that he was still God, but he was living as a man. The Bible says he was tempted in all points like as we are, yet he was without sin. And even in his poverty, he who had made it all, he who owns it all, he was willing to lay it all down. And the reason he did that is so that people like you and me who came into this world with nothing could be made rich someday. And see, our, our richness that we have is because of what Jesus did. Look what Paul wrote to those in Rome in, in chapter 8, verse 17. And if children, if you're saved, you're a child of God, the Bible says, then you are heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. What a wonderful thought, folks. You know, a lot of times we, we gripe and complain about, you know, the money and the situation, thing like that. I'm going to tell you something. We are blessed if we are in Christ. And we ought, we ought to be thankful because, listen, praise God for His poverty because it is through His poverty that you and I are actually rich. Listen to this. Charles Spurgeon, years ago, he commented on the poverty of Christ. And he said this, poverty must be enriched by him in whom are infinite treasures before it can begin to commune. And guilt must lose itself in imputed and imparted righteousness before the soul can walk in fellowship with purity. Jesus must clothe his people in his own garments or he cannot admit them into his palace of glory. And he must wash them in his own blood, or else they will be too defiled for the, for the embrace of his fellowship. In other words, what he was saying is this, is that for our sake, Jesus became poor, that we might be able to have fellowship with him someday. I think about this and I think about the name of Jesus. Folks, can I tell you, even talking about a subject like poverty, it is rich in its implications when it's attached to the name of Jesus. 
And that's what we need to be thankful for. Again, a lot of times people don't think about it, but I just started looking through the Word of God and I realized how much Jesus had borrowed, how little He had, but yet, listen, what a full life He lived while He was on this earth. And we need to follow that example and realize that our contentment needs to be in the Lord. Well, let's pray tonight and ask God to bless. Lord, I want to thank You. Thank You how You take care of us. I want to thank you for being such a wonderful God and heavenly Father to us. Lord, as I think about as your son came and how it, it must have been an amazing thing for Mary and Joseph and all those that witnessed the birth of your son and to see the way that Jesus came, it was not at all like any one of us would have planned. We would have probably planned some big elaborate uh, entrance, maybe a fanfare, maybe coming on white horses or born in a palace. But God, that's not what you chose. You who were rich became poor, that we through your poverty might be made rich. And through everything you endured and through all the humiliation and through the cross, Lord, you won the victory. God, you've given us the hope that we have, the hope that we need to live this life and the hope we look forward to someday. And Lord, as we live during this Christmas season, where we think about the gift of eternal life that we know that we have a home in heaven, and I pray that you'd help us, we who are rich because of Jesus, that we would go talk to those that are still living in their sins, that they might have a home in heaven someday also. Now again, Lord, thank you for your poverty, for your willingness to voluntarily lay your life down that we might be rich. Lord, I pray that you'd bless throughout the remainder of this Christmas season and help us to be a witness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.